everyone, and welcome to Coach's Corner. This is such an important episode for anyone who thinks they may have ADHD, knows you have ADHD or ADD, or knows someone that has it, or really just for anyone. (laughs) It's so important to understand these diagnoses that we often throw out loosely without even knowing specifically what they are. I think there's also a lot of stereotypes about what ADHD is, and we bust so many of them in this episode. Today, I have Ryan Mayer joining me. He's a certified ADDCA and IFC coach, and he's on a mission to empower others with ADHD and those who love people with ADHD toward their greatness. He's coached clients from 19 different countries and has nearly a half a million followers on social media. His performance and mindset coaching helps others navigate through the storms in their life caused by ADHD, making measurable progress on their most important goals. Having ADHD himself, Ryan calls on personal experience to equip his clients who may feel like they're constantly falling short at work and at home with the strategies to step into the happier life they deserve. So The other thing that we talk about in this episode is RSD, which is something I learned about a year ago, rejection sensitivity dysmorphia, which, oh my goodness, when I learned about this, it explained a lot of people in my life, a couple people in my life that I'm close to, and has given me a deeper level of compassion and understanding for how they communicate. There's so much we cover in the show. I didn't get to ask everything I wanted to ask Ryan, so you'll hear in the episode that I do invite him back in six months, and I'm asking you, if you have any questions, any comments, anything that we didn't ask, anything that you want us to cover, please do message me on Instagram so that we can cover it on the show. Before we dive in, I want to thank my sponsor, Organifi. Love Organifi. You know, we got home from traveling, and I was feeling just a little like something was brewing, a little bug was brewing. And I drank my Organifi green juice and their immunity packets. And in a day I was starting to feel better. I really love their products. I love how easy their products are. I love that they're always creating new products and up-leveling their products. And I love that you as my listener always gets 20% off any order, not just your first order. So go to Organifi.com slash over it, or use promo code over it at checkout. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. Use promo code over it at checkout. All right, now on to my conversation with Ryan. Ryan, thanks for being on the show. I'm happy to have you here. Christine, I'm so grateful to be here. (laughs) So the title and the intro, I talked a lot about how we're going to talk about ADHD. I'm sure that the conversation will go many different directions, but I'm I'm really looking forward to this conversation because I've never had anyone on to talk specifically about ADHD. And like I said to you before we started recording, I think it's something that's commonly heard, but frequently misunderstood. And there's a lot of assumptions made about ADHD and, and how it looks and what people that have it act like. And yes. it's sort of like OCD, you know, that is mm-hmm. thrown around a lot. I, I might have used that label for myself at times with certain habits or <laughs> particularities that I have. And someone who like can't keep their mind on something may say, oh gosh, I'm so ADHD or ADD. And we kind of throw out these terms that are hefty terms to throw around. And so I think it's important that we are educated about what they really mean and how I think that they're gifts as well. I'm so, so glad for the opportunity to talk about it because mm. I couldn't agree more. Mm. And the the whole fire and motivation for me behind doing what I do is helping the people who I know are where I used to be, where they are struggling with this. And 
feel so alone. So part of my mission is changing the narrative. So thanks for giving me the opportunity to do that. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't even know they're struggling with it. Yeah. And we'll talk about neurotypical neurodivergent. And I think there's just so much pressure to be a certain way as a human. And if you're not, then there's something wrong with you. And I feel like our generation, we're this bridge generation of really letting go of some of the ways we're supposed to be and moving into more acceptance of how people are and how people are wired and how to move into that, that acceptance of it and to really see it as a gift. So I want to start with, because this is personal for you for many reasons, one of which is you were diagnosed with ADHD. Can Mm -hmm. you tell us a little bit about your journey? Yeah, of course. So like so many of those who are wired like me with ADHD, I didn't know it at first. And most children are active and vivacious and have a lot of energy. And as I got into school, I did extremely well because I am an, a verbal and auditory processor. So when my mom used to read the books to me, I could see the picture of all of you know, like the pilgrims coming across in the Mayflower and things like that in social studies. But then once it came time for me to take the reins myself, right around junior high, uh, I would say is where things got tough for me when we're bringing in things like chemistry and atoms and neutrons and electrons, what? Or neurons? Yeah. So anyway, I started having some challenges. And then in high school, my parents and I just kind of made that decision. Like, we got to get this checked out because I'm a smart guy and the fact that I was finishing last, like finishing the exams last, which that's fine, but it was just confusing to me. So we went in and got it checked out. So I got my uh, official diagnosis when I was in high school. And then in college, thankfully, I was able to get some accommodations, which helped tremendously. So if anyone is out there and either if you have kids in school or if you yourself are, are a college or a grad student, please do yourself a favor and go to student services and ask for some accommodations if you have a diagnosis, because that made a big difference. Mm. And then I obviously got sort of the wake up call, the reality check of being a grown up and going to work where they don't always care so much if you get distracted easily, because they just want each of the human resources to do what they're assigned to do. So that became very challenging for me. So I would say, dot, 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 that's the teaser trailer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to go back to being in school. I actually want to go back a couple more steps because we're making the assumption people know what ADHD is. Mm -hmm. So let's define it. What does it stand for? What is it? Yes. So I'm glad that you bring this up because there are a lot of myths. There's a lot of misnomers out there. And so ADHD stands for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, which pretty much everyone in the ADHD community agrees is a terrible name for it (laughs) (laughs) because it is not that those of us with this brain wiring have a lack of attention. It is that we struggle focusing our attention on the right things at the right time. Mm -hmm. So if there's something that we are really passionate about or enthusiastic about, 
it's hard to not focus on that thing. And in fact, over the weekend, I was just perusing through one of my books by Dr. Ned Hollowell, who is an expert in the field. He and Dr. John Rady put out a book a couple of years ago, I think, called ADHD 2.0. And they proposed a new name for the disorder, which would be variable attention stimulus trait. So it just, you know, our, our attention varies from time to time. So anyway, that is what it stands for. And it shows up in a spectrum of ways. So another one of the experts in the field, Dr. Russell Barkley, who just recently retired, I learned something from him via YouTube, his YouTube channel last week, because I used to say something that is now outdated, which is there. I used to say there's three flavors of ADHD, which is inattentive type, combined type, and then hyperactive type. But what he said is that ADHD is, what did he call it? Um, it's on a spectrum, but um, dimensional. And he said it's dimensional, not categorical. And I'm mm. like, categorical, what, is, what does that mean? He's like, for example, if someone is pregnant, that is a categorical condition. Either you're pregnant or you're not. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And whereas a lot of people talk that way about ADHD and those three kind of subtypes. But this is what I want everyone to take away from this long-winded explanation. Some people can have a smaller you know, amount and, and it presents in more of an inattentive dreamer type, which would be more of the ADD, which people sometimes still use that terminology. Mm -hmm. But ADHD, I'm like doing this big, the more you know, dun -dun -dun -dun, <laughs> over my head, that, that's the umbrella term. And then everything underneath it is um, you may have a primarily hyperactive presentation. That's like the new correct way to say it. You might have a more combined presentation or an, a primarily inattentive presentation. So I know those are kind of mouthfuls, but does that help? It helps a lot because if we look at like the stereotype of ADD or ADHD, and I think people think that they're one and the same. I mean, I thought that for a while until I really became yeah. educated on the different types of neurodivergence as, and even calling it neurodivergent, neurotypical, right? That mm -hmm. right there mm -hmm. <laughs> makes you think, oh, well, if I'm neurodivergent, I'm not like the typical. So like, there's something wrong with me. I mean, my, one of my intentions, one of my missions in my work is to really help people drop the belief conscious and subconscious that there's anything wrong with them exactly. because it's just so pervasive and it holds us back in so many ways. And it's so detrimental to all aspects of our life, our mental health, our spiritual health, our emotional health, everything. So I'm using those terms because that's what's used out there in the world. I don't particularly yes. like them. Yep. And I think it's one of the things you said, it's you busted through the stereotype. Like if someone if we walked up to 10 people on the street and said, what is ADD or what is ADHD? It's like, oh, a hyperactive person, someone that can't focus on anything. Well, no, not really. It can present like that. And it also can present, as I'm hearing you say, as someone who can be super, super focused on something so much so that they, they aren't focused on other things. Can you describe like what that would look like? Can you give a specific example? Absolutely. To dial it back just for a second, when, you know, the man on the street quiz, if you're just asking someone what they think, the stereotypical view, and I do a lot of my, my videos on social media talk about, you know, like dispelling some of the myths. Many times they'll say, well, ADHD or ADD, that's just for kids. Like you can grow out of that. And, and you can imagine these kind of things sort of boil my blood. Of course. Um, 
it's like, if I could grow out of this, man, I sure would like to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they, they will imagine the stereotypical, you know, young boy in yeah. a grade school classroom who can't sit still, who can't stay quiet and that kind of thing. But it, as you mentioned earlier, it's so much more than that mm-hmm. because I've had a lot of clients and a lot of people who I connect with on social media who, particularly women, who got completely overlooked the first few chapters of their lives because they still were really talented in school. They could still get things done and check all the boxes, but their hyperactivity was happening in their mind as opposed to, again, stereotypically, the more physical um, manifestations of it tended to be more with the young boys. So when you said hyperactivity happened in their mind, meaning they were just thinking about a bunch of things, their mind would dart from one Mm -hmm. thing to the next. Yeah. Yeah. So it, like a lot of times it would say like Susie, like on the report cards or something, Susie is a dreamer or, Mm. you know, she needs to get her head out of the clouds and try to pay attention. Mm. Things like that. Mm. I hope teachers aren't saying that anymore. I really hope we've grown out of that. I mean, I know we, we still have some ways to go, but I, and I don't think it's, it's, um, I think it's just a lack of education. I don't think it's anybody, you know, being mean or anything like that. I just think we're, 100%. we're, we're, we're a little un, uninformed. So, you know, especially right now, like if we're looking at you, you're someone that has this diagnosis and it's not difficult for you to track this conversation mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're not coming in and being like, Hey, my name is Ryan. It's <laughs> 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 right. like, you know, sporadic energy. Um, let's talk a little bit about the brain wiring. So is ADHD, like, can you see it on brain scans? Is it an actual physiological thing? Again, so glad you're asking these because so many people don't realize this. Yes. So our brains, those of us with ADHD, we have fundamentally different brain anatomy. Uh, for example, our brains are anywhere from three to 10% smaller in size. And also developmentally, uh, we tend to be about 30% behind. Mm. Um, so it's like when someone is, you know, growing up, they might be, I'm using air quotes, acting immature, but maybe they are acting okay for the age that their developmental brain is at, but not the grade level that they happen to be. Mm. So yes, there are physical differences. The other, the big difference is in the reward centers of the brain. So dopamine, which people I feel like are hearing a lot more about these days is the brain's reward chemical and the feel good chemical too. And we as ADHDers, we have both less of them and are able to process less of them. So the things that we don't enjoy doing, we really don't enjoy doing. Mm. And it's, it's just so much harder for us to get the engine started to get going. Mm. What about, um, more addictive, uh, habits with ADHD? Yes. So perfect dovetail off of what I just said, because since we do have that shortage and that longing for that feel good chemical, we will go to great lengths to try to get it. So whether that is endlessly scrolling on social media, and again, it's important to put the asterisks on there. I know that someone who doesn't have ADHD can also get caught scrolling mm-hmm. for longer than they want. I mean, the apps are built that way. Yeah, <laughs> and then, and then like if someone, for example, 
has some impulse purchases. It's not that other people who, who don't have ADHD or don't have an official diagnosis can't also make, make impulse purchases, but where the where the differentiators would come in, Christine, is I have clients who are doing impulse purchases when they are deep in debt, and this is not a good idea. They know it's not a good idea, and yet they pretty much can't stop themselves from making it that that purchase unless we put some sort of like stopgap in place. So when you know there's those stereotypes out there about someone being lazy or uh, they're no, just not motivated, man, that couldn't be further from the truth because the things that I struggle doing, I want so badly to be able to do them better. Yeah. But it's just, it's like, you, you know, you go to grab something and it's not there. Mm. What do you struggle most with? And what do people with ADHD struggle most with? And again, you know, it's going to be a little bit different for everyone, but I would say in general, the things that we struggle with tend to involve detail-oriented, administrative follow-through. I'm sure in your coaching journey and with the clients you've worked with, you've come across the the good old Eisenhower matrix um, of important and yeah. urgent and mm-hmm. all those things. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> this is a broad, this is a sweeping generalization, but for those of us with ADHD, um, important but not urgent may as well not even exist. Mm. Like this this four th- this four quadrants, you could just knock that one off because we're pretty much never going to get there. Mm. Because no matter how much we want to or know we, I'm using air quotes, should do the thing, unless there's some sort of consequence or urgency or deadline, it's just not going to happen. Right, right. I want to go back to the physiological mm-hmm. distinction of ADHD and just how it's formed. Because the other thing I'm curious about is if it can come about because of trauma. And when I say trauma, I don't mean only, you know, you've been abused your whole life. It could be a neglectful parent or mostly unavailable parent or a parent that was critical. There's lots of different ways trauma can appear, but I can ADHD emerge out of trauma. And just to make sure I understand, are you saying that kind of trauma or like the other, like I like got in a car accident, like head trauma. No, I'm talking about emotional trauma. Got it. Coach Ryan is not a certified medical professional. So I'm going to like start with that (laughs) little disclaimer, but I will say that no, that is not where it comes from. It is a genetic disorder. So most people are going to be getting this from either one or both of their parents. Certainly, I mean, you and I are, grew up in the same era So the way that things have evolved with lots of options for like vying for our attention, that hasn't made things any easier, but it is not based on environment. So there are some people who have a different opinion of it, but the greater body of knowledge of the experts is saying it is a genetic genetic thing. Okay. Yes. Okay. And when we talk about the distinctions of neurotypical versus neurodivergent, what falls under mm-hmm. each category and what what are we using to like distinguish between the two? And again, just such a it's a wide spectrum. So you mentioned earlier about OCD, and I do believe just like autism and ADHD 
that there can be varying degrees of these different things. So where the line, I guess, would start, and this is an important thing too, is for someone to get a diagnosis, it's not that, oh, I, I'm absent-minded or I lose my keys a lot or I don't do a good job saving money. Where it gets to a clinical diagnosis is when this is a chronic situation on several levels of these traits, you know, things like impulsivity, hyperactivity, uh, emotional dysregulation, and it's causing harm in one's life. Mm. So part of my journey, which I know we'll talk a little bit about, is like the struggle to hold down a job. I never started off my career like, you know what, I think I'm just going to hop to like, you know, five or six different jobs before I pick one. Like that wasn't the plan. And the reason why that happened is because of the way that my brain is built. Because you asked a question earlier about what's an example of something that like someone could struggle with. In one of my jobs, I was an executive recruiter. So I would work with very high level, polished professionals. And when I first started in the role, there was a support team underneath the recruiters that were the recruiter technicians. So essentially, you could consider the recruiters as the hunter, the hunters, and I guess gatherers, but then they would bring, like, we would get, you know, CEO so-and-so to say yes, and then we would bring that person's qualifications back to the um, recruitment technician team who would then do all the background, like, let's check in with their professional uh, status and their drug screen, criminal background check, all that kind of stuff. And then the company in a cost-saving measure eliminated that entire team. And that was like the beginning of the end for my career there because now I wasn't doing what I did best anymore because what would happen is, I'm trying to think of a good analogy. It would be like asking LeBron James, who's obviously one of the world's greatest athletes and is very good at basketball. Like, we need you to do this... Um, I'm just looking outside my window. Uh, go mow this lawn. Mm. Like it's not that he can't mow the lawn, but like you definitely don't want to use LeBron to mow your lawn. Like you want to, <laughs> you want him playing basketball for you. Right. So he might struggle with that. Um, and that's how it was for me with these administrative tasks. Mm. Mm. Not well, that makes so much sense. So for somebody who, um, thinks that they may have ADHD or a child that has it. So two, yes. two questions. What are some of the yep. things we can ask ourselves to go, oh, do I have this? Besides the obvious ones, like I think that there's some more subtle, like as I was learning about ADHD, one of the things that I've learned is one of the things that can happen with people to have this is like escalating really quickly, like going from... Very short, very short fuse, yes. zero to a hundred. Yes. Yep. Yes. So can you talk about some of the maybe less obvious things that may lend itself towards that more ADHD neurodivergent and then... Also, as a parent, some of the things you can look for? Of course. So there are, for, for an adult, I'll start there. The best thing to do would be to reach out to your primary care provider. And I was actually just um, talking to a, a client about this earlier um, because I work with clients who may not have ADHD but may have ADHD tendencies without having an official diagnosis but she's interested in exploring to get an official diagnosis, which I said, yeah, I'm here for it. I can definitely help 
to send you in the right direction. There are a number of different professionals that you may end up working with. So you might end up getting connected to a clinical social worker. You might work with a psychiatrist, a psychologist, um, a nurse practitioner. Like that's for me specifically, I work with a nurse practitioner who mm. both uh, does sort of like my therapy side of it as well as my prescribing. Mm. So that's the route that I would go there. And then there are, again, I would go to the child's doctor to talk about it. And then this is not a plug for me, but if people don't know where to go, um, on my website, which is ryanmayercoaching.com, I have a free assessment. And this is not obviously to make any kind of diagnosis because I can't do that as a coach, but it's people get very overwhelmed about like, how do I even start this conversation with my doctor? Yeah. Because I don't, <laughs> so many people will find me on social media and they don't exactly feel comfortable going to their doctor and saying, okay, so coach Ryan, I saw his stuff on TikTok and Instagram, and I think I have ADHD. Right, right. Um, but they can look at these questions about like, how often do you struggle with, and it's like things with time management, mm. emotional regulation, um, how do relation, like relationships, whether they're personal, professional, like how are those doing? How is your financial management? What about sleep? What about health? Mm. So there's a lot of different factors, you know, for people to consider. What are people that have ADHD? I, I even say hate, say hate saying have, you know, it's like sure. no, it's okay. people that, you know, relate to this diagnosis or whatever we want to call it. What are the struggles that typically show up in relationships, especially personal relationships? Well, you alluded to it just a minute ago about, um, you know, es things escalating quickly. Mm -hmm. um, there is probably one of the biggest challenges of ADHD is something known as rejection sensitivity dysphoria. Oh, I can, I'm so glad we're going to talk about this because I learned about this a year ago and it blew my mind. Yeah. It is one of the biggest challenges and it's not, it, it's not an official symptom and it's not, and ugh, the worst part is it's not treatable. Mm -hmm. um, so what it essentially is, it, I said it earlier, it's like a short fuse. Yeah. So my wife and I, you know, I was mentioning to Christine before we started that uh, we have uh, three kids under the age of six and our oldest, our son, Ethan, we have some suspicions um, since I work so closely with ADHD that he might have it. And one of the things where I see so much of myself in him is he just started first grade. So we're working on reading skills. And what I'll notice with him is he will give it his very best effort to try to sound out a word. But there's a point where he hits a certain, I'll say like he basically hits the wall where he's just not, he can't go any farther. And if I continue or Andrea, my wife continues to like push him to try to like tough their way through it, we're going to have a meltdown on our hands very quickly. Mm. Um, so the, the rejection sensitivity is like to give a grown up example. If I set goals for a day, let I tell my clients, let's try just three things we're going to try to get done in a day. I try to practice what I preach. So I'll set my three goals for the day. And if I was, if I fell short for whatever reason, if my wife is asking me, hey, how, like, how'd you do on your goals today? I don't really want to talk about it when I don't hit my goals. 
Mm. Because so my wife uh, works in the medical field. She's a physical therapist. So she, I think she is just so used to like diagnosing and then treating right. the injury to uh, improve it. So she wants to be like, well, what could you have done differently? And trying to like coach me. And I'll say, so we have developed some safe words mm-hmm. where I'll say, I need some time right now to cool my jets because this conversation is really starting to trigger me. And if we keep going, I, I don't think it's going to go well. So I'm, I kind of have to like fire off the warning flares mm. and just say like, you know, I, I just need to like go walk just for like a couple minutes um, and take a breather. So that's how it can manifest. And you can just imagine in a workplace setting or at a, in school or in traffic, all of these different things where being able to emotionally regulate and make a well thought out decision can be very challenging sometimes. Mm. I want to go back to the rejection sensitivity dysmorphia because this is such a, it explained a lot of things in a lot of people in my life to me, especially to people. And okay. So I fall into the neurotypical category. I have lots Mm -hmm. of other labels we can put on me, but I I fall into that. And so my challenge, a challenge that I've had with someone that presents more of that ADHD and RSD mm-hmm. is being met with a level of defensiveness. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't call gaslighting. It's not that strong, but it's like a, 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 like a turning it back and a, a level of defensiveness, but also hurt where it's very hard to feel heard and it's very hard to like communicate in that. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about the person on the RSD side. Like yes. I can understand that their I'm, brain is hearing, so, I failed, I failed, so I failed, I failed, yes. I failed. Yes. But okay. what the person is, on the neurotypical so side is seeing is like, you're being defensive. You're taking no responsibility. And yeah. like, yes. I can't get through to you. And it's a huge communication yep. breakdown. I had a wife of one of my clients reach out to me just recently about this very thing, mm-hmm. because she said that like, whenever I bring something up to him that, you know, I, there's some unmet, you know, responsibilities or some unmet needs. Anytime I bring it up, he just like will explode. And I, so now I don't feel comfortable bringing anything up. Mm-hmm. And so I really appreciate the chance to act as translator uh, mm. for you in the same way I did for her which was, I just want to reassure you as I'll reassure everyone that no one is more upset about the situation than the person with ADHD already is. Mm -hmm. Because they already, almost always, they'll know that they did something wrong. And the best way for me to describe rejection sensitivity dysphoria is It's like a megaphone. So I'm going to give this example, and then hopefully this helps to illuminate the answer. One of the things, since I work from home, and I mentioned earlier, my wife works at a hospital. Today is a day where she's gone and the kids are gone. They're over at my mother-in-law's. And one of my duties that I agree to is I'm going to get the table set and get dinner ready for when everyone comes home. So I can remember one time specifically, I had been 
rushing to get everything done. I got it done. And then the one thing I forgot because I didn't write it down, that's another key. Um, I didn't write it down is I just forgot to fill up the waters. So imagine the whole table set, mm -hmm. plates are out, the food is warm, the napkins are there, the silverware, everything, but I forgot the waters. And my wife said to me, not in a judgmental tone or anything, but just said like, oh, did you fill the waters? But in my mind, I hear this. You are so stupid. You mm -hmm. have absolutely failed. You can't do anything right. How? Why did you forget this? How could you be so yeah. dumb? Like that kind of thing. And it's like, and immediately now, I pretty much shut down because my only defense mechanism, in instead of exploding and being like, you know what, I worked really hard to get this done and this is what you're talking, instead of doing that, I just get very quiet and withdrawn mm. and defensive kind of. Yeah. So yeah. normally, it, it, so it's, it's not even rejection, it is perceived rejection. Right, right. So, so in that moment, I was perceiving that my wife was not 100% satisfied that I set the table to prepare for dinner the right way. When really all she was doing was asking, a Hey, clarifying did question. you fill the waters and <laughs> yeah. I just don't see him somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, and, and it's, what's so interesting too, Christine, is that like, as it's happening, I always think to myself, this is so fascinating because mm. I can see it from the higher, I'm going to call it like the spiritual level of like, the higher thinker, the seat of the observer of like, wow, Ryan's yeah. really getting upset about this. You know that she's probably not mad at you, but then the human side, just the the animalistic, the elemental reactionary is like, oh yeah, she is. She's trying I'm to take sure. anything she can and da da da. Yeah. So, well, so yeah, I'm, that's how it feels. Oh, I, I totally get that. Well, I don't get it from, it doesn't happen to me personally, but I get it and these two people I'm thinking about. So yeah. And what I've noticed is with these two people that I do think have it, I'll say something. And again, like you said, your wife had no judgment, no, mm -hmm. it was a clarifying thing, or it's just, you know, it's it, just a question. Like, and the, the defensiveness and the reaction mm -hmm. that comes up, is like, whoa, <laughs> like, what just happened? So what I get that the megaphone inside the head is saying, mm -hmm. I failed, mm -hmm. I'm an idiot. And there's probably yeah. a feeling of shame that comes up. Yes. But the defensiveness, is there any way to work through that? Like, how do you greet the defensiveness so that yes. the, the person can hear what you're saying and can take some responsibility? Or is it just not possible in that brain wiring? It is possible. And I'm so glad that you asked, because that was going to be my next thing is, can I provide a couple tips, you know, for you to you know, crack the code and for anyone else who's hearing this too, is what I've, and my wife talk, my wife and I talk about this a lot and my clients and I do too, when the smoke has cleared, where it's like safe for everyone to come out of hiding <laughs> to say, what could I do? Like, how can I approach this topic if I'm afraid you're going to explode in like two seconds? in a very irrational way. Um, and what my wife and I have agreed upon is she will ask, hey, I, I'd like to bring up something just to get your thoughts on it. Uh, would that be okay? 
So that sort of gives me a little bit of a heads up, like brace for impact. Like perhaps there could right. be something coming up or uh, another, I said it before about like safe words. She and I will say to each other, um, I have some feelings I want to express. We might say, I want to openly communicate about something. Would that be okay? Mm. And that way it, it just sort of provides a little bit of a buffer zone. Buffer. So it doesn't feel like an yeah. attack and like you did something Cor- wrong. Correct. Yep. And then the other part that I would say is going to be most helpful because let's be honest, we're not all going to be like, okay, let me just ask permission to, to say a statement. Like that's not going to pop up in our minds now, right, actually, right, right. um, is giving the other person. So in this case, the person who is potentially ADHD, giving them the ability to ask for a few minutes to just process it. Right. Because what I find, again, so fascinating about myself is after about, even as short as about 30 seconds, I can relax and I can talk about it. Yeah. But for some reason, just in that first initial, it's like all I see is red Mm. kind of thing. Like, I kind of feel like the Incredible Hulk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. no, it, it definitely hits something in the brain that brain wiring is, <laughs> I do think we can change it to a certain degree. And wiring is wiring sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's learning how to work with it, learning what we can change and learning what we can work with, which which brings me to my next question, medication. Mm-hmm. What have you seen with medication? What really works? Um, can you live with ADHD without medication? from a functional medicine standpoint or a more holistic or homeopathic standpoint, are there things to do? I'd love you to dig into this a little bit. Yeah. And again, it's like hard questions with coach Christine (laughs) has. I'm so glad that you're bringing these up because these are so important because I'll get, again, like, I don't want to say haters, but I will get um, skeptics on social media. (laughs) I actually got, my, my worst Google review, someone I didn't know th- that gave me a one star, <laughs> a one star review that said like, um, this guy on his social media, this guy just makes fun of ADHD and makes light of a challenging situation. He's probably getting funded by big pharma mm. or something to that effect. And obviously not the case. And I said, you're right. I do try to bring some levity into a situation that just ravages people's lives, mm-hmm. including my own. Hi, I have it too. Mm-hmm. Um, and people have a lot of preconceived notions around medication. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, and I I admittedly had them myself. When I got diagnosed in high school, I said, you know what? I, I, I'm not sure I really want that because I don't want to be a zombie Right. And and I'll never forget what the doctor told me. She said, Ryan, if you were sitting in class and you couldn't see the board, would you get glasses? And I'm thinking to myself, stupid question. But I mean, yes, mm-hmm. I would get glasses. And she said, Ryan, this medication is like glasses for your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, I will, you know, shout it from the mountaintops. The pills don't bring the skills. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not like someone's going to take any kind of ADHD medication and all of a sudden, like magically, the ADHD goes away. Um, it just helps when in those situations that I like the one I mentioned before, where I'd have to do the administrative follow up work. 
it might help someone to be able to stay focused on those little details that normally they just couldn't get themselves to start. Mm-hmm. So it just helps to make it that much easier just to hold on mm-hmm. a little bit more. Or maybe might. they can do it, but it's just a very frustrating and just completely drains them. And Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's that. But again, I'll say everyone is different. And when people ask me like, well, are you pro medication, anti-medication? And I'll say, I am pro you. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a personal choice. I'm not going to tell anyone you should take it or you shouldn't. But what I will say is it's definitely something to consider because as mm-hmm. of today, you know, in September of 2023, there's currently no research that shows that there's a cure or that there's anything that has as much of a statistically significant positive impact on managing ADHD than medication. Mm-hmm. There's also a myth out there that it's addictive. Well, there's a lot of things out there that if you take it all the time when you're not supposed to might have the wrong impact, but it's actually shown to not be addictive because mm-hmm. it goes in your body and out of your body. It's not like a long-term thing. Mm. So um, is it something that you take yeah. every day or is it something that you take it when you need it? People do it different ways, but typically, at least again, from my own experience, uh, it's always recommended to take it regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an ex- there's extended release varieties and there's more of like a tablet that's, um, you know, it'll hit the system sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I say to people is like, just because I choose to take ADHD medication doesn't mean that I don't think or feel side effects from it. Mm-hmm. I just have to weigh the pros and the cons. And because I've had such a challenging road, I've chosen to take ADHD meds because I have had so many failures in my career that like, and those are all while taking ADHD medication, but I'm just trying my best to provide for my family. So if this is going to help me to be able to focus on the things I know I need to do, well, then I'm going to do that. Yeah. Well, and I I respect that. I I like what you said about I'm pro you, whatever works. Cause I, I have a journey with antidepressants put on them at 11 off of them at 30. Yeah. Um, and I, and people often think, oh, you're anti, I'm like, actually, no, I'm, I'm anti being told that you don't have a choice. I'm anti just being given a pill and not given any other tools or any other resources to manage things. Um, I'm over here shaking my head. Or being told you have a problem. Mm -hmm. But if, you know, if it's what makes the quality of your life better and you're also actively doing other things to support you and not just relying on a pill then I have zero judgment. I I have judgment of the pharmaceutical industry. I'll I'll, I'll own that. (laughs) But in terms of like what works for people, especially I know the the listeners to my show, they're really thoughtful with things. And I can imagine as a parent, this is a tough decision. And I'm not really up to date on medication for ADHD. Is Adderall still the main medication that's given? Yeah, I would say that is the most well-known one. Yeah. Yeah. and, you know, I imagine as a parent, it's, it's a really tough, tough choice to make. And one that you can make, totally. you know, with your partner, if you have one and doctors and, you know, any, um, other people that you do take counsel from, but really trusting that intuition. And, you know, um, you mentioned some side effects, but I'm curious, like how has medication, like what has the medication done for you? That's been a huge game changer. That's made life just a little easier for you. 
Well, again, just like on those tasks that I know that they need to get done. And when, if I, if I wasn't taking my ADHD medication, mm-hmm. I think this is the part that people who are skeptical about ADHD need to understand that like, like I'm getting a little emotional just thinking about it is that I wish I didn't have to take this medication. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are days where if I'm, if I don't take it and there's something that doesn't, you know, feel completely aligned and ignite my passion to do this thing, I just will sit there and stare at the screen and like, can't get myself to Mm -hmm. go. Mm -hmm. Um, It would be like sitting in your car and turning the edge in and, and it doesn't turn over. Mm-hmm. Like you just hear, and it's like, why won't this start? Mm-hmm. It's like, how long do you want to sit in your car? Yeah. Because yeah. until you put gas into the tank or it'd be like, I guess the spark plug, if we're using that analogy, like it would, this is what you need. Yeah. Yeah. But you, you mentioned one other thing that's really important, which is more functional, natural things, because it's so important to use these in concert. So movement is magical. Mm -hmm. Like I tell clients, like walking is underrated, like get out there and move your body. However that looks like mow the lawn, you know, play with your kids, um, do do whatever you go wash the car, whatever, Mm -hmm. something Mm -hmm. just to get your body moving. So that's one. I mean, and the other things that it's like, well, of course, everything was better with that, but getting better sleep. Yeah. Um, not being, not scrolling on your phone till two in the morning. Um, and of course eating the right foods. Um, because I believe that food is medicine and it can absolutely help. So all of those things together, I would say, give us the best chance to be successful. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think it's out there. I, I take a holistic approach to everything. Um, I want to talk a little bit about how we can parent a a child that's showing ADHD or even that rejection sensitivity dysmorphia, because that I imagine can be a big challenge for parents of, you know, saying, Oh, you didn't put your shoes away and getting this massive reaction, right? Because the the kid's hearing something different. And then I want to talk about if we are managing or employing people with ADHD, how we can really get the best out of them. So, um, I want to start with the parent one, because I think that part of the issue with any neurodivergence is our systems, and I put air quotes around systems, aren't set up in a way that supports everyone. They're set up, whether we're talking about educational system, healthcare system, government, no matter what we're talking about, it's set up to help a certain kind of person. And anyone that isn't that certain kind of person suffers in the system more than they are supported. 100%. Yep. So education system being one of them, um, tell me how you think we, cause I, I, what I have seen with people with any kind of neurodivergence is high levels of creativity, high yep. levels of sensitivity, empathy, um, like brains that work in a way that like makes the world more exciting and full of more possibilities and thinking yeah. of things that no one else would think about more that not that non-linear thinking. So, you know, eventually we're going to get to the gifts of ADHD. I'm, I'm gearing up to that, but what I want to get to <laughs> first is yeah. How do we nurture that in a child who 
you know, because a lot of parents don't have the choice to send their kid to a private school that's more play-based sure. or more creative-based. Yep. Like a lot of parents, they send this kid to the school that, you know, is the public school system that's, that's available Yep. that doesn't really support this kind of mind. So what do we do in that situation? How do we support kids? Yeah, and I was listening to a book this morning, um, and in the book it talked about the choreographer for the famous Broadway show Cats. Mm. Um, when she was growing up in the 1930s, she had what would be classified today as ADHD, but it just hadn't gotten enough recognition to mm-hmm. be formally recognized. And the so her mother brought her into the psychiatrist and she's talking about it and everything um, because she wasn't able to sit still or pay attention in school. And so thankfully the psychiatrist said, um, why don't we just leave her here for a moment? And there's something I want to show you outside. We'll be right back. So before he leaves, he turns on the radio and walks out of the office. And within moments of the doctor and her mother leaving, she gets up and she's dancing around to the music. Mm. And the doctor turns to her mother and says, madam, your, your daughter's not sick. She's a dancer. Mm find a dance class. Mm. So, and then obviously we see where that one went. Um, (laughs) She did pretty well. Um, But, you know, for example, for our son, he is going to the public school here in our city, which is a great school system. And I am thankful that in this day and age, I really do feel that most educational systems are at least starting to move in the direction Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. they are trying to accommodate most minds, even if someone isn't on like an individual education plan or something like that, um, where there's more collaboration, there's breaks throughout the day, there's movement, there's more hands-on kind of things. Oh, I'm so glad um, to hear this because it definitely wasn't that way when I was in school. Yeah, same with me mm-hmm. um, because it was kind of like, if you just think about it, you know, an ADHD brain, whether you are more of like a dreamer, kind of get lost in your thoughts, or if you're more the hyperactive, like I can't not move around. Like right now, I'm at my standing desk, which is good. And my hands are like flying everywhere with my <laughs> gestures. Um, but things are, you can just imagine like back in our day, back in our day, mm-hmm. um, that you just like sit down, be quiet, don't talk to anyone and look forward right at the board for nine hours straight. Oh, it's yeah. like, talk about torture. Yeah. So since as parents, we can't really do anything for our kids at school, um, at home, we really strive to one, give our son outlets for his energy. So like, let's go outside and play. Let's climb on the swing set. Let's run around. Let's ride bikes. But then also on the flip side, hey, do you need some time to decompress? Mm. So like my, our son, like when he gets home, first thing he wants to do, he wants to get a snack and go downstairs and, and like watch a show. Mm-hmm. So while we are not big fans of screen time, we know that if we try to force more, like, let's read your books right now. Mm-hmm. He's like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so he doesn't want that. So he needs a little bit of time to decompress, to just relax. And then we can cautiously approach like, Hey buddy, let's talk about school and homework. Yeah. Um, so that, and then just, I mean, and this goes for any parenting, just knowing Hey, we love you, buddy. No matter what, like, yeah. we don't really care what the report card says. And I, actually, little pat on my back mm-hmm. right here. Um, 
because our son came home and again, he's in first grade. He got his clip got moved to red. Dun, dun, dun. Mm -hmm. um, and he's like, dad, <laughs> it was great. He walked in and goes, hi, dad. I have good news and bad news. Which would you like to hear? And I'm like, well, I'll take the bad news. <laughs> so he shows me, you know, that he got moved to red. I'm like, okay, what's the good news? He's like, everyone else was in yellow. So like, <laughs> it wasn't that bad. <laughs> but, you know, he got red because of, I'm like, I call this fingerprints of ADHD, where you can just see it. It's like talking with classmates, not being quiet when teacher asks. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, yep, yeah, that sounds familiar. Mm -hmm. Um, so I wasn't mad at him. So I think the important thing is to say, Hey, we love you unconditionally. And I, I keep telling him, I'm getting like chills just saying this. Um, we're on your team. Mm, like that. we're here to help you. And so like when he's having a meltdown or when he's like really fighting us on trying to read his book, I understand it's the RSD. Right. Even if he doesn't have an official diagnosis, like I can see it, I can feel it. Um, so I'll say, hey, let's just do like a couple words, you know, start really small. So those would be some of my advice, I guess, would be start small, uh, give them time to decompress, love them unconditionally, and, oh, and give them better food. So mm -hmm. like, again, back to the holistic approach, because like, again, just it was a different time, but I think back like instant macaroni and cheese yeah uh ding-dongs and hostess twinkies exactly and, mm -hmm. like i used to have the the ho-hos in mm -hmm. in my lunch and you know the processed foods and we just and that's just what was there we didn't think anything of it um so now we try to be very conscious about what we're you know we're getting a lot of organic and gluten-free and mm -hmm. low on dairy kind of stuff yeah. And I think, I think that's huge and lowering the sugar and, you know, a lot of the processed food turns into sugar yes. um, and nurturing their creativity too, like really finding a place to, to nurture that and to, to help those mm. gifts just naturally come out. I, I'm so glad you say that and sorry to interrupt. I was okay. one, I'm like, I'm like, there's one other thing. <laughs> what am I forgetting? I right got you now, back. <laughs> right now in our garage, we have th this huge like mountain of cardboard boxes. And that is because Ethan, our son's thing is this, he's a hyper-focusing, which is a thing, obviously, um, on, he wants to build a plate, like a clubhouse that he can sleep in. Uh -huh. And so we ha have incentivized this to, you know, help with the creative and like give him his space. And we said, if he reads for 10 days in a row, at least 10 minutes at night before we go to sleep, not only will we sleep in a tent in the backyard, but Ethan can sleep next to the tent in the cardboard clubhouse that he <laughs> and daddy are building for like 15 minutes after work every day. <laughs> I love so, this. That's so good. My, my wife like rolls her eyes. She's like, this is so dumb, but I'm supportive of you. Like, this is like, I don't like pulling in and seeing this mountain of trash. I'm like, Hey, that's not trash. That's a clubhouse. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta see it differently. Oh my gosh. I, I, so, I so get your wife. <laughs> I so get yeah. her. Um, I think you two are pretty soon. Probably, probably. <laughs> okay. What about with employees, people that, yeah. that work for us or, you know, work with us? Doesn't, it could be, you know, somebody working on a project with, um, what are ways that we can support not get frustrated and also not end up because I can think of someone that I've worked with in the past and I would just go in and rescue. 
when they didn't get stuff done. And then that would just build resentment. So that I wouldn't recommend that approach. Right. So I'm um, very humbled to say that I I recently wrote an article uh, that was featured in Fast Company about five ways to foster a neuro-inclusive work environment. Mm. And in here, I just talk about like, what can you do? Because I tell a little story in the beginning about how how tensions were always high for me in some of my previous roles. Um, But then I say, part of the mission is to be able to share strategies for managers to use to really try to help their employees and team members to feel accepted just the way that they are. Mm. Um, so the, <laughs> I promised you, I wouldn't say here's five tips. So, um, <laughs> I will say a couple of things that people <laughs> might consider to do would just be like, Hey, just look at the bottom line. Like if someone comes in five or 10 minutes late, does it really matter? Mm. Like in the end, does it really matter if they are like knocking it out of the park with, the results that you want them to reach, is it really that big of a deal that they might come in a little late? Because guess what? They're staying till like 7 p.m. most likely. And then also having flexibility Mm. because there was times where I was in an environment where it was very in vogue to have like, and I'm using air quotes, open office environment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, That was the worst thing that I could see when I'd walk in and be like, this is where you're going to be working. I'm like, Oh dear. Oh God. Yeah. 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 Because people are coming up. They're like, Hey, did you see the game last night? I'm like, Oh no, leave me alone. (laughs) Um, so like if someone would rather work from home, like obviously in the last few years, working remotely, having more of a hybrid role Mm -hmm. is, is way more possible. Um, adjusting a management style if needed, because maybe someone, Maybe a manager, a middle manager is really trying to prove themselves. Um, and maybe they're kind of like that helicopter parent. But instead, why not be more of what I I came up with this term, uh, be more of a lighthouse manager. So instead of a helicopter, be a lighthouse where you're like leading by example. And if someone needs your help, they'll, they can come to you. They always know where you are. But don't be like up in their grill all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Conversely, though, I was just going to say, if, if someone's like me has ADHD, talking with the person saying, how often do you want to get together? Because if someone struggles with time management, as I do, it's actually going to be better if we can meet more often to check in on things. So I'm not waiting till the last minute. Mm, that's a good tip. Yeah, that's yeah. that's something that's been really important for me in working with anyone that's neurodivergent, because I can just track things in my mind yep. and remember things. Well, I used to do it better before I had a baby. I'm not, <laughs> not, not as great at it now. And like, that just doesn't work for someone with any neurodivergence. So like needing those check-ins, needing that, and it doesn't have to be long, like frequent, shorter exactly. interactions and reminders are, are super helpful. Oh my gosh, this has been so good. I might, I might have to have you back because there's other things that I want to talk about. Um, but I want to, I want to start to wrap us up, um, by talking about, we've touched on them, but I really want to highlight, um, the gifts of any kind of neurodivergence, whether it's ADD, ADHD, autism, um, Asperger's, like any of those things that fall into that category. I know you can't speak to all of those. So I'll just ask you to speak to ADHD since that's what you're the expert on. And I think the best experts are people that have been through the experience and lived through the experience. Sure. what are the gifts 
of living and having ADHD be part of your experience as a human? Well, if you can imagine that cardboard clubhouse that's currently being built in my garage, (laughs) imagine what someone who thinks in that way might do for, let's say, an architectural firm in the future, Mm -hmm. or might do for a marketing team who, pardon the pun, but can think outside of the box. Like we have a very visual way of going about things. In fact, I just literally today during one of my group coaching calls, I asked some of my uh, clients that were on the call, I said, what do you think really sets you apart as ADHD? Like, what is it that you think? And she says that uh, one of them said, I have a ridiculous memory. Like I remember things from conversations or from shows that I've watched that no one else does. Mm. And, and the other one said that she brings a very unique perspective. So she's like, I've been told so many times during my career, like, wow, I never would have thought of it that way. Before. Mm. Mm. And so that. those are like, when you think about many of the disruptors, they're the people that approach opportunities and challenges in completely different ways. So true. And I have found, and this might just be my anecdotal or experience, anyone that says they have ADHD, they are also a ton of fun. <laughs> so much fun, great <laughs> sense of humor, and just bring a lightness. You know, I know the rejection sensitivity that can, you know, and we talked about the escalating, oh, yeah. but there's also this, this playful side and this really being in the moment and just the, the funniness that, that I've noticed as well. So that's just been one of my anecdotal experiences. But, with but no, I, w- I would agree with you. And in fact, uh, I did a video where, so I had to do a little bit of research and to figure out like, what are some of the careers that people with ADHD might want to consider? And a whole subset of them was in the creative space, including acting, mm-hmm. stand-up comedy, mm-hmm. um, and things where you're really thinking on your feet. Mm-hmm. So like entrepreneurs, sales and marketing, yep. Um, those all are things that fit really well for us. Yep. Yep. No, I love that. Well, thank you, Ryan. I know we, we have more to talk about in terms of like what careers are great for ADHD. And, and yeah. so how about this? If people have questions, if, if, um, would you be willing to come back on if we have another conversation in six months or so? Absolutely. Okay. That would be great. So if people have questions, if you have ADHD, if you have a child with it, if you want to learn more about what jobs are great for it, just any questions you have. Um, shoot me an Instagram message. Y'all know my name. My, my handle's my name. And I'll save them and we'll bring Ryan back in, in six months. Um, but until oh, then, Ryan, I know you have a yeah. special special offer for people that are listening if they want to work with you and, and learn a little more. Yeah, thank you. And it's been so great to be on. And when I was doing my prep for the interview and I was looking through some of your other episodes, looking on your website, it reminded me of the quote from Step Brothers. Um, when he, when the brothers finally start getting along and he says, did we just become best friends? (laughs) Um, because as I was listening to some of your other episodes, you know, you were just talking about like waking up and Mm -hmm. breaking the patterns, breaking generational paradigms that are Mm -hmm. out there, really like stepping up to who you are and, and not having linear shifts, like Mm -hmm. non-linear ideas. It's like pretty much, I'm like, oh my gosh, she's talking about me. (laughs) And and when you talked about Christine, like even your sign off saying, I see you, mm-hmm. I believe in you, mm-hmm. like sending you love and blessings. I'm like, wow, 
like she's my people. She's mm. good people. Mm. Um, so Likewise. I just want to say it's been so great mm. to connect with you and yeah, it'd be an honor to be back. Likewise. Um, but for all of the over it and on with it audience members out there. Um, so I'm, I specialize in coaching people like me with ADHD, especially those uh, entrepreneurs and professionals looking to kind of take it to the next level. Like I know I can do it. I just haven't been able to quite get it all together. Um, and a great starting point is this program I've come up with. It's a text message based program. Translation, no usernames, no passwords to forget. Because <laughs> all these people would come to me and say, hey, we can help you. I'm like, nope, won't work. Yeah. Is that an app? No, can't do that. <laughs> no one wants another password. No, no <laughs> one wants another password. So, so this or is like to if, have to find. Nope, exactly. So this comes right to your phone and it's, you know, you talked about like fun, like bringing levity. So it's a, a 10 day course. So it's just long enough where you can still pay attention and you get a two minute audio message from me right to your phone. And then after that, there's a back and forth from with text messages and you actually get printable documents that you can use to figure out what to do to best set yourself up for success in the job with ADHD. Um, so the discount code for that one is, hold on, on with it 30. Great. Um, so capitalize the O, the W and the I, on with it three zero. And obviously I'll send Christine all the links and all that. And on social media, if you're on either TikTok or Instagram, YouTube, it's ADHD Coach Ryan, putting out new content every day, including Tuesday nights, folding with friends, where you can see me and my beautiful wife, Andrea, where we fold our laundry because no one wants to do laundry. <laughs> and then like a lot of people use it as a way to get stuff done, even if it's not laundry. I love okay, it. That's it. I love it. That's so great. <laughs> Folding with friends. That's so great. Well, I, I so appreciate you, Ryan. I, I really deeply want to acknowledge you. I have a special place in my Thank heart you. for people that really use their um, their own struggles to help others. And I like to always reference mm. the the actual original word of passion. The, the root definition of the word passion yeah. is suffering. The passion of the Christ. Is, it means mm. suffering. Yes. And how amazing yes. that we've evolved it to mean what we love. And so often it, it, it is from our suffering and our own struggles that we, we find what our true passion is and how we're here to help people. And I feel your commitment um, to really thank helping you. people. And, you know, I think there can be a lot of shame around different labels. And thank you for being a pioneer and someone who is taking the shame off thank of you. ADHD and really showing that this is just another way to live. Like it's, it's not this like life sentence of struggle and hardship and you're different and you're in this different category. It's more like this is, this is, this is part of you and part of how your brain's wired and here's, here's what you do with it. So thank you for helping to take the shame off of it. Oh, you're, you're welcome. And Christine, I think again, you and I have a lot more to talk about because uh, the reason why I do what I do is to help other people. Like I want to be the help that I needed 15 years ago Yeah. Um, yeah. because I know how dark it is. And next time we talk, maybe we can talk about faith mm. and where my spirituality and where I think God has called me because Hmm. We just have so much time. Well, I love so talking about again. God, so that's no problem. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> no problem. Thanks, Ryan. All right, cool. Talk to you soon.